name's Chase Courtney. I'm the high school pastor here. It's fun. It's fun. I'm seeing our students here that served with me yesterday, and uh, I had I had one of those like moments where my mind didn't work, and we got to the service project, and I met the guy that was in charge, and his name was Scott, and I had just been thinking about like meeting this guy, and like, and I so I went up to him, and I went, and all the students were right behind me, and I went, "Hey, man, I'm Scott," and I was like. No, I mean, and he was like, really? And I was like, no, that's not right. I'm Chase. And of course, students don't forget things very easy, um, unless it's schoolwork. Um, but they let me remember that all day. They called me Scott all day. But I'm Chase. Um, that's my name. Hey, today's a special day. It's Pastor Wes's birthday. Can you stand up real quick? We wish you a happy birthday. So that's awesome. 28, you said? Okay, cool. Happy birthday, Pastor Wes. We're super thankful for you and all that you do for our staff and for our church. Hey, if you're watching online, thank you guys for joining us. I know my wife, Ashley, and Eli are watching from Alabama. Alabama, they're probably saying Roll Tide, even though you're saying War Eagle. Um, But Ashley, make sure Eli's watching and paying attention to my message today. Um, Hey, I'm super excited to be here and get to speak to you guys today. Um, We are in our series called As You Go. Everyone say go. Go. As you go. Pastor Jason has been talking about a scripture that comes from Matthew 10, verse 7, where he says, as you go, proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is here. It's here right now. Jesus declares that to his disciples, and then he goes on to say, in Matthew 9, 9, it says this. This is kind of the key text that we're going off of. Verse 35, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. This morning, we're going to be really focusing in on verse 36. Pastor Jason's been taking it verse by verse each week. Today, verse 36, I'm going to read it one more time. When he saw the crowds talking about Jesus, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for being present right here. You are here among us, God. You are within us. For those that have said yes to you, God, you are right within us. So, Lord, I pray that today that your your written word, God, would come alive to us. And, Lord, in the middle of that, God, let us hear your voice. Let us hear the voice that you're speaking to us right now. God, give us the courage and the boldness to leave this place, to be the people that you've called us to be, sons and daughters of a king. God, let us receive your word with expectation right now and let us be transformed in our mind and our heart by your word that is living and active. Father, we love you. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Have you guys ever had um, one of those moments where you felt confused and helpless? I already shared one of them yesterday where I was kind of confused and then I felt helpless to all the students around me. Um, have you ever had one of those moments where like you were maybe in a funny situation or just in a situation in life where you were like, I don't really know what's going on right now and I feel really helpless. Am I the only one? No, okay, okay. So we've all been there before. Um, 
how many of you would say, like you, at one point in your childhood, you moved to a different school, and the very first day of that new school where you didn't know anyone, the cafeteria time was like torture, right? Because you didn't know anyone, right? Do you remember, like, it probably brings up really bad memories, walking into the cafeteria for the first time, and you're like, what do I do? (laughs) Who do I sit with, right? I don't know anyone. I'm just going to go get my food, and I'm just going to kind of meander around a little bit and hope that someone invites me to the table, to the table, and you're, you're hoping in a moment that you get pulled into a group, right? You're hoping in a moment that you get pulled into a family so that you can belong real quick, um, I remember when I was a kid and, and going to new schools at some point, like that was the worst moment ever, right? You feel helpless. You feel very confused. And then can I tell you, as a youth pastor, it's even worse when you go to the cafeteria as a grown adult, right? As a youth pastor, by the way, pre-COVID, we were allowed on campus. Now we're not. So if you're an administrator in here, hook us up. Let's go. Come talk to me. I'd love to get back on campus. But as a youth pastor, going onto the school campus and going to the cafeteria, it is scary. You feel confused. You're helpless. Like, as a middle school pastor, you're a rock star. When you walk in the door, all the middle schoolers are like, Pastor Chase, what's going on? They're coming up, high-fiving you, hugging you. Like, you feel, you're like, cool, I like this, right? This is awesome. As a high school pastor, it's a different story, Right? They've grown up just enough where they don't like you that much, right? Or they're just trying to avoid you. Um, There have been many times I've walked into a high school cafeteria where I see a thousand kids and I see a couple of like the kids that come to the youth group that I'm like, oh yeah, they'll be fine. And they're like, just walk, walk on by, walk on by, buddy. I don't want you here, right? It's a really helpless moment where you're like, I don't know what to do. And I feel like a high schooler right now. And that's probably... The truth is they all think, oh, who's the new kid today, right? It's, it's not like, oh, look, it's a grown adult. He's a youth pastor. No, who's the new kid? Um, it's, it's a scary place. But you see this, this scenario taking place in verse 36 where Jesus is, he's teaching among the crowds. And you have these people that are literally coming from villages all around. They just want to feel something real. They want to be accepted. They want to be part of a family. They've heard about this man named Jesus that is doing miracles. He's bringing truth. He's bringing salvation. And these people are literally coming from everywhere and just want to be a part of the family. They want to see something genuine, right? And they are confused and helpless because they don't have the truth yet. And Jesus sees this. And I love that verse 36 gives us a really quick insight into the heart of Jesus, This is what it says at the very beginning of it. When he saw the crowds, when he saw, you see, this is Jesus. This is God in the flesh. This is majestic, a majestic God that created the entire universe. And yet right here, he sees the crowd. He sees the crowd. I love what David says in Psalm 8. He says this, O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. This gives us a little insight into the heart of Jesus that even though he was God in the flesh, even though he was a God that created everything, he still saw the individual. Come on, are you with me this morning? 
If you walked in here and you feel unnoticed, guess what? Jesus knows who you are. Jesus knows your name. He knows your sufferings. He knows your shortcomings. He knows everything that's going on in your life. Even in the middle of this crowd of three or 400 people, Jesus knows who you are. He sees you where you are. And as I was praying last night, I felt this, and I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. I felt like there's somebody watching online that needs to know that, that you have been in hiding for a year and you feel like you haven't been able to come out. You feel like God doesn't know you and that you've been distant and that he's been distant from you. And I'll just say, if you're watching online and you need to know that, that God sees you right where you are. And I just felt the, like, as I was praying last night, I felt that so strongly to do this in 10 o'clock And I felt like this name popped up in my head and it's not the name of the person, but it's the name of someone in the Bible, Gideon. And if you know anything about Gideon, Gideon was a person that he was literally the least, he was the youngest in his family. His family was the the least in their tribe and their tribe was the least in Israel. So he was literally at the bottom and Gideon was hiding in a threshing floor in a wine press, hiding from the enemy And God calls him and says, Gideon, mighty warrior, rise up. And I'm just telling you, maybe there's somebody watching online and you feel like you're weak and you feel like you don't belong, but God is saying, Gideon, rise up. Gideon, rise up. I've called you to be a mighty warrior. And that goes for everyone in here. It doesn't matter who you are or how weak you feel like you are or how unnoticed you feel like you are. God is calling you in the midst of your hiding and saying, he's he's saying, rise up, mighty warrior. You may not feel very mighty today, but God calls you something different. He sees us differently than we see ourselves. Jesus sees us. Someone needs to hear that today. Second part of the verse says that he had compassion on the people. He had compassion on the people. What what is compassion? I looked up some definitions because I want to get it right, right? What is compassion? It's a feeling that arises when you see suffering. It's to suffer with in order to bring relief. And if you translate that word compassion, it literally means to suffer with. To suffer with someone in order to bring relief. You know, I believe there is a difference between sympathy and compassion. I think oftentimes we maybe think it's the same thing, but sympathy is just knowing how someone's feeling, even if you don't feel it in the moment. You're like, ah, oh, I feel bad for them, but I'm, whatever, I don't feel that. Compassion is that deep gut feeling that makes you move upon that, right? It, you literally have to put movement to that feeling because you feel the suffering of someone else. Are y'all with me? You feel the suffering that you've got to put your feet to action because it's something so deep that is affecting you. Put it this way, if, if you and I were walking downtown San Antonio and we walked by a homeless man, it would be really easy for me to have sympathy and be like, man, I hate that for him, but keep on walking and do nothing about it. Maybe you say, Chase, no, I, I, you have sympathy, but I have this compassion. We've got to do something. He looks like he's hurting. He looks like he's broken. Even if it means us going and getting food for him, we're going to do that. We're going to do something, right? That's the difference between sympathy and compassion. I want us to play a, real, uh, play a game real quick. Um, we're going to play a clip. The tech team's going to play a 10-second clip of a song. And it's a song that most of you probably heard at some point. And I want you to close your eyes, and I just want you to visualize what images come to your mind when you hear this song. Are we, are we good? Can we do that? All right, close your eyes. Tech team, play that song.
All right, 10 seconds of a song, but I guarantee some of you have some visuals in your mind. What are those visuals? Sad puppies, animals, right? Kitties that are going, please help, right? Like, I don't know if you know that Sarah McLaughlin song, but that song was on commercial for about 20 years. I think it probably still going, right? It still looks like it was made in 97, 96, I don't know. But every time that commercial comes on, it's heart-wrenching. You're like, oh God, where's the remote? I gotta turn it real quick. Like, get me off this channel. I don't wanna watch the basketball game anymore. Like, this, this is killing me, right? Because there's something deep within you that it pulls on the heartstrings, right? And most people are just sympathetic. They're like, I really hate that and I don't wanna watch that commercial ever again. But there are some people that actually keep those commercials going by sending that money over and over and adopting all the pets, right? Because there's something deep within people. I have a particular aunt that literally can't help herself. And every time a commercial like that comes on, she's going to give more money, right? Or she's going to adopt another pet because the compassion level in her life is like sky high for pets at least, right? <laughs> Hopefully she's not watching. But there is a difference between sympathy and compassion. Compassion compels us to move and to act. Another translation in the Passion Translation, it says that Jesus' heart was deeply moved. It was deeply moved. Not Jesus just had compassion, but he, he was deeply moved with compassion. See, compassion is a heart feeling. It's not just a good thought. It's not just, hey, you know, you see this on Facebook all the time. Hey, there's a situation happening. Someone says, hey, I just need prayer or this bad thing happened. And people are like, man, sending good thoughts towards you. Sending positive vibes your way, right? It's, it's not that. Compassion is something that allows you to move and to get out of your comfort zone to help relieve suffering in people's lives. But here's the deal. You and I can't have compassion without understanding the source of compassion that we have. The source of compassion is by a man named Jesus. Are you with me? The source of all of our compassion, the very thing that allows us as humans to carry compassion is because of a man and what he did for you and I. Can we just talk for a moment about one of the greatest moments of compassion that history has ever recorded? We're gonna read a verse in Luke 22 here in a moment, but let me set it up. It's in the Garden of Gethsemane, which Gethsemane means oil press. I want you to remember that. It's, it means oil press. And Jesus often went to this location to pray with his disciples. It was tucked away. It was far away from everything. It was kind of in the secret place. He would go there and pray. And on this one particular night that we see in Luke 22, Jesus understands that his time is coming to an end that the fulfillment of why he was on the earth was about to happen, right? He was about to be arrested and eventually crucified for all of humanity. And so you can imagine the anguish that Jesus is going through in this moment. He's literally hours away from being arrested and put on trial. And this is what it says in verse 22 or verse 41. Then he, Jesus, withdrew from them a short distance to be alone. Kneeling down, he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup of suffering away from me. But no matter what, your will must be mine. Or another translation says, not my will be done, God, but yours. Take this suffering away from me. And Jesus called for an angel of glory to strengthen him. 
and the angel appeared, he prayed even more passionately like one being sacrificed until he was in such intense agony of spirit that his sweat became drops of blood dripping onto the ground. I want you to understand this moment in history. Like, if this doesn't mess you up when you read it, then I don't know what's going to mess you up. Jesus is literally kneeling down and he's praying for you and I. He's praying that he would have the strength to go through with the suffering. He's praying that his compassion would not give out. He's praying that he would have the strength to go through the beatings and the crucifixion so that we could have freedom. He's in such agony and such suffering. And just like the name of the grove, Gethsemane, oil press, he was literally being pressed with anguish and compassion. And the Bible says that, and many scholars believe that he literally was sweating blood, which is a rare condition that can actually happen when there's so much pressure on someone that blood vessels burst and you sweat blood. What a crazy, intense moment in history. What, a, what an incredible act of compassion in this moment because it was for you and it was for me and it was for humanity to experience the love of Jesus. You see, Jesus, the compassion of Jesus destroyed the curse of sin for all those that would accept that free gift. Come on, is, is anyone excited about that? Is that not good news, right? We talk about proclaiming the good news. That is the good news of Jesus, that he broke the curse of sin on our lives, that we can live in freedom, that you don't have to deal with that junk any longer. He gave it to us. Romans 5, 8, one of my favorite verses, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God's word is not the only proof that we see of this. I want you to, to take a moment and look to the person to the left and the right of you. Look to the person in front of you and behind you and see that the evidence is all around you, that God's grace is real and that there is a room full of transformed people in here. Can I get an Amen. There is a room full of transformed people in here that are just ready. Come on, we are vessels of the Holy Spirit ready to go and show the world compassion. Do we respond that way though? Are we living in that manner? You see, Jesus took the weight of sin that he did not deserve in order for us to have a freedom that we did not deserve. That's what he did for us. And I believe that Jesus was and still is moved with compassion for you and I. And some of you probably walked in here today and you're like, man, my life's not really on the right track. I feel really distant. I don't have a relationship with God. Maybe I did at one point, I've just kind of fallen away. Can I tell you that Jesus is not at the right hand of the Father right now going, Dad, what do we do? I'm just perplexed, you know? He walked in today and he's just broken and hurting and I, I really don't have anything else to offer him, right? Jesus is not, he's not just racking his mind going, God, God, Father, what do we do about these people? I'm pretty sure he's going, in fact, the Bible says that he's interceding on our behalf, right? He's pleading on our behalf. He's literally looking at the Father and saying, when I look at him, I see Jesus, I see myself. When I look at her, I see myself in them, Father. You see, Jesus is not perplexed at your life. He knows every detail as we've already talked about. You can walk in here and feel distant all you want, but God is right there. All you need to do is say, I'm here, move in me. 
Do it in me, God. Come on, Jesus already paid the price. We don't need him to come back and die again. He paid the price for you. He already showed you the ultimate sign of compassion. It's just about his people, the bride, saying, I, I receive that compassion, and I want to go with that everywhere I go. I want to move with that place. In verse 36, we also see at the very end, it says that Jesus had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd. If that phrase, sheep without a shepherd, is actually used in the Old Testament before Jesus comes on the scene dozens of times, and it's talking about the nation of Israel and that they're falling away again, right? They go through these cycles where they're, they're following God and they're going good, and all of a sudden they fall away and they turn away from God and serve other idols. And over and over you have prophets that say, the nation of Israel is like sheep without a shepherd. How many of you know that sheep aren't the smartest animals all the time, right? They actually do need a shepherd. They need a guide because sheep on their own, they wander off. They can't stay together as a family. They're not unified. Sheep without a shepherd can't find food or water or even rest. Sheep without a shepherd are obviously under attack from predators all the time. They needed a shepherd. And here's the deal. You see throughout the Old Testament, that the nation of Israel is broken, wandering like sheep without a shepherd, and Jesus shows up on the scene, and he's the fulfillment of all those prophecies. He's the fulfillment of all the brokenness, all the helplessness. He is the fulfillment. In fact, in John, he calls himself the good shepherd. Anybody remember that? He calls himself the good shepherd. He doesn't say, I am a, a good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd, right? He's the only one. He is the one that guides. He's the one that protects. He's the one that brings the people together in unity. He's the one that, that nurtures us. He is the good shepherd. He is the fulfillment of a broken world. He is the fulfillment of a broken heart that you may have. He's the fulfillment of a broken family that you may find yourself in. And so have some encouragement today that the good shepherd is here through his spirit. And he is ready to work and he's ready to guide. He's ready just like he was ready to guide the nation of Israel back in those days. He's ready to guide our nation today if we let him, if we fall in line with the shepherd's guidance. He is the good shepherd. So if Jesus is the compassionate one, if he's the good shepherd, if he's the answer to the world's brokenness, then how is our world going to heal and be restored? How's it going to be healed or restored? Because last time I checked, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He sent his son. I mean, he sent his son and his son went back up and he sent his spirit to you and I. Answer, you are the solution. No one seems happy about that. We're like, oh no. <laughs> you messed up, Jesus? You gave it to us? Yes! You are the answer to the world's brokenness because of the Spirit of God on the inside of you. That should excite us. That should fire us up to go into the world and be the people that he's called us to be. We're, we're not waiting on anything else. Jesus will return again. He'll have his second coming to bring people into the kingdom. But right now, while you're breathing, you have an assignment. As I'm talking right now, I have an assignment to bring the kingdom here. Come on, we're not waiting for heaven. We're not waiting for us to get to heaven one day. We have an assignment right now to bring heaven to earth now. Church, 
Don't wait. The assignment is not sit back, relax, have a comfortable life, and be in eternity with God one day. The assignment is get heaven here so that everyone around you can spend eternity with God. That's the assignment. And the good shepherd has, has shown the example of compassion, and now he calls us to follow in those steps. He calls us to be compassionate. And the Holy Spirit is a person that lives within you. Man, he is within you for those that have accepted Jesus as Lord of your life. Come on, the Holy Spirit is available to you to be consumed and to overflow out of your life. But we have to be willing and responsive to let that happen and to be the people. And I am speaking to myself. Are we responsive to that movement? Are we obedient to that movement? You know, as I read the gospel books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and I, I read about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, here's what I see about Jesus when it comes to compassion. Number one is this, compassion is rarely convenient and comfortable. Can I get an amen on that? Compassion is rarely convenient and comfortable. If you're truly going to suffer with in order to bring relief for someone, you better know that it's not going to be easy. I see throughout the, throughout the gospel story after story of uncomfortable situations and inconvenience, but it always leads to this incredible story of redemption. One of my favorite stories in the gospels are the man that's paralyzed and he has four friends that are just doing whatever it takes to get him in the presence of God. They're trying to push him through the crowd. They're trying to carry him through the crowd. Jesus is teaching in this house and they can't get through the crowd. So what do they do? They decide to get a little uncomfortable. They decide to get a little inconvenience and they climb up on the roof, pull this paralyzed guy on the roof and they rip through the roof. If you're the homeowner, you're ticked, right? You're like, dude, what the heck? But they were willing to be uncomfortable in that moment to make sure their friend got in the presence of God. And guess what? He was healed. That's what it takes from the people of God to be uncomfortable, to be inconvenienced, to show compassion. Number two, compassion always challenges the complacent. I'm telling you, once you start getting uncomfortable and you get used to it and you start being inconvenienced, the very comfortable people, the complacent people will wonder what you're doing. They will question you. They will challenge you because it's too hard for them, right? And you see over and over and over the religious experts of Jesus's day. Every time Jesus would heal somebody, they always had a complaint. They were always mad, right? Ah, oh, you shouldn't have done it on this day. Well, you shouldn't have done it this way, right? They always had an issue and challenged Jesus, yet Jesus saw miracles and they did not. They did their religious duty, but they missed out on the life that God had to offer them. And thirdly, compassion always precedes miracles. Come on, when you show compassion, the result is gonna be miracles. When you begin to suffer with and you begin to pour out your heart and pour out your life, Miracles will follow. Miracles will follow. I, I see my friends right here, Andy and Karen, and they're missionaries in Guadalajara, and we're super excited you guys are here. We love you guys. But I get to hear stories from them all the time and over the years of what they're doing in Mexico and the street evangelism they do. And um, even talking with Andy this week about, um, you know, like doing representation and looking at tattoos of people and saying, hey, Jesus calls you in this way. This is like, I see your tattoo that you have in the street and, and Jesus wants to use you in this way and miracles are happening because they're being inconvenienced and getting a little uncomfortable in the streets of Guadalajara. 
and there's miracles happening in their ministry all the time because they're just, God, use me. Whatever it looks like, compassion, when you begin to suffer with and you begin to pour out your life, miracles happen. Come on, are we ready to see our community full of miracles? Are we ready to see the city of San Antonio that is just flowing with miracles because the people of God say yes to Jesus. They say yes to moving with compassion. It's here. The kingdom is here. It's waiting on us. I believe compassion is a heart muscle that needs to be worked out. If you don't work it out, it's just going to grow weaker. How do you grow that? How do you grow that muscle of compassion? I believe it calls for you to listen to his spirit. Be aware of the sufferings around you. Don't be in a hurry. Jesus wasn't in a hurry to get to the next thing. He saw the people right where they were. Be obedient to what the Spirit calls you to do. And most importantly, rely on His strength, not yours. When you rely on your strength, you're gonna burn out. I'm just telling you, there's, there's some people in here, I, I just I felt this as well I was, as I was praying yesterday, that there are some people in here that you've been taking care of family for a long time and you are worn out and you are stretched thin and you are hurting and broken, but you've been pouring out compassion on your family and friends for so long and you need a new dose of God's spirit in you right now. You need a new dose of God's strength in you to raise you up to the place that you need to be so that you can continue to pour out compassion. And I just hope you receive that today, that God's spirit is enough and he's sufficient for you. And I love that Jesus didn't have to find ways to be compassionate. He didn't have to find ways, well, how can I be compassionate today? Or who can I find today? No, Jesus, as he was going, the people found him because he was so attractive. He was so magnetic with the Spirit of God. And I wanna say this to you. We don't always have to plan service days to be compassionate. What we did yesterday was incredible and almost, I'll say almost 400 people, right? Almost 400 people serve throughout the hill country, but that can't be the formula. The formula is we feel the spirit and we move as individuals and as maybe as life groups and as the youth ministry. Don't wait on me to plan a service project. Let's just go do it within our schools. Let it be as you go to Home Depot, Tony. As you go to HEB, as you go to your workplace that you are just saying, God, here you go. Where do you want me? How can I pour out compassion to those that are broken? How can I do it, Father? Would you use me today? As we wrap up, I, I wanna say this, compassion only comes through connection. If you get anything from today, I want you to get this, that you will only have spirit-led compassion when you are filled with his spirit you will only have spirit-led compassion when you are connected to the very source of that compassion. If you're not connected to the Father, it's gonna be really hard for you to pour your life out to someone and to see miracles happen. And so that's my prayer for you and that's what I've been praying all week is for every single one of us in here, band as well, that we would be connected to the source of the one that gives us compassion, that we would truly receive the deep, compassion that God has for you. The one that kneeled in the garden and said, God, not my will be done, but yours. Can we receive that today? Could you stand with me? We're gonna 
We're gonna spend some time in worship before we leave today. And we're not in a hurry, we've got time. I made sure to end early so we could do this. We've got time. And here's what I'm gonna challenge you to do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to get a little uncomfortable. If you know that you need a greater connection to the Father, if you know that, that there is something within you that is yearning for more, and you know that there is suffering around you that you can be the answer to, can you make the bold declaration today that I'm gonna move forward, I'm gonna come up here, and as we worship, we're gonna sing a, called, a song called Fresh Wind. And I'm asking that the fresh wind of the Father and His Spirit would overflow in us today, that He would blow over our hearts and our minds, that we would see and experience the goodness of God. Can we do that today? Can you get a little uncomfortable? If that's you, and you just say, I want more, I just simply want more of His Spirit, God, would you anoint my hands, would you anoint my life to be the person that you've called me to be, to show compassion to our world? Would you do it? So I'm gonna invite you to come as, as you feel led to right now. I'm here, I'm ready, and I'm gonna ask His Spirit to move in my heart. So Father, let's go. you. I'm going to dismiss you here in a moment, but if you want to stay and you just want to soak in his presence, you want to say, stay and say, God, just keep working in me. Before I go to lunch, keep working in me, God, right now. And if you feel like God is tugging in your heart saying, come home, son, come home, daughter, I want a relationship with you, then I want you to find one of our trusted prayer team members right down here that love you and have been praying for you all week. Come on, make that decision today. It's a good decision. It's not good, it's the greatest decision you'll ever make. No decision will ever be greater than that. So God, we love you. We thank you for today. God, I thank you that your presence is here. It is tangible. God, I feel you here. And Lord, I pray that every individual in this room, God, would walk out knowing that you are within them and you're ready to overflow out of them, Father. The kingdom is here. And so let us be good news people, God, that engage our culture with the good news of Jesus and put action to those words. God, we're praying that this would be the week where miracles break out in our city. God, I'm praying for miracles to break out in San Antonio this week. God, I'm praying that the kingdom would be expanded because of the people in this room this week, God. We declare that and we believe in it, Father. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your goodness, Jesus. Ah, thank you for that moment in the garden, God, that you chose to go with the Father's will and not your own, God. Thank you, Jesus, for laying it down for us. And God, for those watching online, I pray that they feel the anointing and the spirit right within their home right now to fill them up, to strengthen them. God, we love you and we thank you for your presence. And all God's people said, amen, amen.